Welcome back to Beef Sticks Podcast, and this week we are opening more Forbidden Doors and opening the pages to them core reports. Yes, it's everybody's favorite time of the year, and it only happens four times of the year. It's the Big Four Core Report. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Yes, this is this is better than uh, the Final Four in NBA, I tell you what. And this is the first, action. first Core Report after WrestleMania. This is better than Raw. And, well, I mean, that's setting the bar pretty low, but yeah, <laughs> it, it probably really is. Probably really is. It's so weird that if things continue trending the way they do, AEW could have more Dynamite viewers than the Monday Night Raw by the end of this year. That would be wild, wouldn't it? It would be wild. I would love it. I would love it a lot. I like to see. At the same time, I gotta th- I gotta say it's kind of cool that WWE is allowing SmackDown to be the the main draw for once. Right. It's only because yeah. Roman's there, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've done it a handful of times in the past, and it seems to work. Remember the the SmackDown Six back in the day was uh was probably the heyday of SmackDown, and um, yeah, they're really apparently pushing SmackDown, which is which is good. I guess they're still in a brand split, although I don't know how much of it. I don't know. I guess since I don't watch any of the shit, I don't really know. You know, with Roman Reigns at the helm of SmackDown, maybe it's time they bring back the Fist, dude. The Fist. The why Fist. Why aren't they doing like a, an old school SmackDown coming up or something? I don't know. I never heard anything about that, so I, 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 I can't confirm nor deny. I can't. I, I'm, I'm making it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if ratings are low, that's how you boost them back up. Have some oh, old people come in. That's how they always do it. Nostalgia. Nostalgia yeah. works. Yeah. Hey, did you hear uh, Roman Reigns' theme song? Nope. Last night, brand new theme song. No more shield theme. Oh yeah, yeah. It's sort of a generic beat, but they went with like a really slow theme, kind of like Goldberg and 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 Taker, like that kind of pacing. Oh. Except it sounds more like a medieval royalty a bit. It's kind of needed. And when the beat kicks in, it's a little bit hip hop. I it, it sounds sort of generic, but at the same point, I think it works. I love to YouTube it and check it out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely check it out. I mean, that's that's I, to me that's that's huge. It's like yeah, he's had that that theme song since the shield. Since the shield, exactly. He's the only one that kind of kept the shield music, so it's uh, that is huge. That is, huge. but it has to happen. They got to keep things keep things going and growing and showing that they're knowing. Yeah, Samoa Joe. And- I guess with that being said, we can uh, get into. S- how they're growing because of course as we mentioned wwe reported their first quarter 2021 financial results and the report notes that the revenue for quarter one was 263.5 million god damn pasty who'd have thought back in like 93 this would be a two million dollars just in the first quarter of course sadly that was a decrease of nine percent uh, it was noted that this reflects the absence of WWE's ticketed live events and large-scale international events such as Saudi Arabia. We kind of talked about that at the end of the year reports last year. It was also noted, though, it was partially offset by certain WWE Network intellectual property rights and uh, the Peacock deal. So that definitely helped help them make some money while they're not making money 
with live gates. WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon provided comments saying, During our first quarter, we continued to effectively execute our strategy, demonstrating our ability to adapt to a challenging live event environment and to expand the reach and monetization of our content in a changing media landscape. He went on to say, The launch of WWE Network on NBCU's streaming service Peacock, the multi-year extension to distribute NXT on USA Network, and the successful staging of WrestleMania illustrate the enduring and increasing value of the WWE brand as the foundation for long-term growth. Yes, indeed. Now it's time for my favorite part. Your first quarter 2021 highlights. Revenue was 2 points or 2 263.5 million, a decrease of 9% or $27.5 million. Reflecting the absence of the company's ticketed live events and large scale international event, one, just one, partially offset by the upfront revenue recognition related to the delivery of certain WWE network intellectual property rights. Peacock. Peacock. Operating income was $65.1 million, an increase of 22% or $11.8 million as the upfront revenue recognition related to the delivery of certain WWE Network intellectual property rights was partially offset by the absence of a large-scale international event. Of course. Adjusted OBITA 1 was $83.9 million, an increase of 9% or $6.6 million. Remember, folks, that's what they pocket after taxes, after paying everybody, after, you know, income, after paying off everything. That's how much they pocket. Like how everything else is lower, but that's higher. I know, I know, right? So, some man right there. pocketing more money. We're not making as much, <laughs> but we're pocketing more. Yeah, they, they had a decrease of 9% of revenue, but an increase of 9% of pocketed money. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys know how to take home the cash. Yes, indeed. WWE Network launched on Peacock, NBC Universal streaming service in the U.S. on March 18th, expanding the reach of WWE's premium content, including live pay-per-views, original series, and in-ring shows. Really, they just did it so they could be on the same streaming service as Young Rock. And why not? For real. I love that show. It's a good one. Mm. Parker sat down and watched it with me one day, and he's like, that's not Andre the Giant. I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. Uh, WWE announced a multi-year extension with USA Network for NXT, which moved the airing of its two-hour live show to Tuesday nights, effective April 13th. Digital video views were $9.4 billion, a decrease of 2%, and hours consumed were $367 million, an increase of 7% across digital and social platforms. The return of capital to shareholders, share purchases, and dividends paid told, totaled $84.2 million in quarter one of 21. Christina Salen, the chief WW, or WWE chief financial officer, added in the quarter adjusted OBITA results were driven by the recognition of revenue from our Peacock agreement. 
Although adjusted OBITDA increased in the quarter, we are not adjusting our previous full year adjusted OBITDA guidance, 270 million to 305 million at this time, giving the uncertainty regarding the timing and pace of return for ticketed audience and our ability to stage international large scale events due to COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, you're still going to keep adding to your OBITDA. We know it. Yeah. Oh, and we're going to finalize things pasty with our consumer products first quarter 2021. This is basically um, sales of T-shirts, DVDs, uh, paper, the few pay-per-views they still buy. action. The new Burnt Fiend mask. Yeah, and anything that they sell you that isn't tickets and, and on TV. Basically, the revenue for that was $21 million even, an increase of 24% or $4.1 million. I have heard that uh, since since people can't go to live events anymore, that they're actually selling more stuff because people are forced to go online where they can see more things. At a live event, there's a handful of things you can buy when you go online. Not only do you get to see everything they have there, and do they get to, they suggest so much shit to you all the time, but it's been proven that when people buy online as opposed to buy in person, it, they spend more because it feels like the money is play money, even though it's not. You don't, right. You don't yeah. feel the money. You don't count out those bills. And so, yeah, they're, they're definitely seeing that here. That's reflecting increased e-commerce, merchandise sales, and higher video game royalties as well. Yeah, right. Nobody's buying that shit, WWE. You ain't got to lie. <laughs> increased e-commerce sales more than offset the absence of venue merchandise sales resulting from an absence of ticketed events in the quarter. Uh, basically, actually, just what I said. Basically, have you seen the 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 ad for their new video game? I don't know what their new video game is. Well, it's two K twenty one or two K twenty two or no, whatever. I haven't, the fuck. I haven't even heard it's coming. They up. say it it hits different. That's that's a subtitle for the game, and it looks just like every other WWE game. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, okay, they're all the same. I'm pretty sure it ain't gonna be any different if your tagline has to be "It hits different." I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. Well, as far as consumer products, operating income was $6.2 million, an increase of 114%, reflecting an increase in revenue, obviously. And the adjusted OBITA, what they took home from everything that they're selling, $6.7 million, representing an increase of 76%. So these motherfuckers, they, they may be losing ratings left and right, but man, they are just selling hand over fist. They are still... The, they're still the kings of self-promotion. Mm-hmm. They're still just forcing shit down your throat. They're, I mean, there's people who don't watch WWE that are still buying WWE merch, whether it's old school stuff or whatnot. It's crazy. It's stupid. Stop buying their stuff. It's made in sweatshops. That's just an assumption. As opposed to everything else that's made in sweatshops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was exciting, pasty. Seems like seems like Peacock has been the major moving factor for quarter one. Um, it does suck that that all went to like corporate pocket money and not to the superstars who make the content. Of course not. They cut the superstars and then they give themselves bonuses. Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's shitty. I'd probably do the same thing, but. I can bitch. I can bitch about it because I can't do the same things. So right. I have to yeah. bitch about yep. it. 
And Pasty, there's a lot to bitch about in this week's this week in pro wrestling history. Just 11 years ago, April 30th, 2010, TNA Impact Wrestling announced they had fired Bubba the Love Sponge. This came off the heels of Bubba's racist comments about Haiti after the country suffered a devastating earthquake earlier that month, which then led to a then-TNA knockout Awesome Kong, who was raising money for earthquake relief, to beat the fuck out of Bubba at a TV taping backstage. <laughs> Dude just got his ass handed to him. This is good shit. Then after that event, the sponge proved to be an even smaller man as he called Awesome Kong at 5 a.m. and threatened to come to her house and, quote, sucker punch you until you stop breathing, and then said, quote, you'll be dead like those other N-words in Haiti, you fat black bitch. Oh yeah, and fuck Haiti. I think I'll, I think I'll be the one right now to say that this man gives all Bubba's a bad name. Yeah, he'd probably make a good love sponge in prison, though. Yeah, remember this is the uh, son of a bitch that um, recorded Hulk Hogan banging his wife after he offered Hulk Hogan to bang his wife ah. just so he can make some money. I mean, this is just a scummy son of a bitch. There's nothing good about this guy. Yeah, you always got to be cautious about those guys named Bubba. Oh, fuck. I wouldn't trust him. I, I don't like him. I wouldn't trust him. Not good shit. Stay away from uh, Bubbas. <laughs> bad people. And stay away from sponges, too. Looking at you, Bob. I think this is my least favorite this week in pro wrestling history. It's it's a very sad and disgusting one. But But, I mean, you get to smile at the fact that Awesome Kong got to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And she didn't end up getting in trouble for it. <laughs> I mean, that's a plus. <laughs> it's just sad that we don't have a video of it. Like, I wish that would have been taped. Right? Put that as an extra on an Impact pay-per-view or something. Hell yeah. The Sponge watch versus that. the Kong. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, um, so that's that. Not a whole lot to say for that. That speaks for itself. But it's kind of timely, you know, with everything going on. It just kind of proves that as much as things change, things stay the same. And we're still dealing with those same kind of ignorant fools. Mm-hmm. As we speak, day to day, it's not good. But what was good, Pasty, was this year's Impact Rebellion pay-per-view. Holy shit, fun stuff. Of course, with the uh, the the promotion that AEW has been giving them, this I read that this was the largest um, pay per view as far as views that Impact has had since I think it was twenty the twenty twelve twenty eleven something like that. So almost a decade. Yeah, so it's been a long time. It's good. It shows that the partnership with Impact is helping. Started off with a pre-show match. I didn't catch this one, but it was a tag match. Rosemary and Havoc defeated Kimberly and Susan. Would have liked to watch it. Didn't see it. Yeah, it sounds like a good match. I didn't see it, though. Uh, Then we had a three-way X-Division championship match to kick off the main card, seeing Josh Alexander defeat Ace Austin and TJP to become your new X-Division champion, granting me my first point of the night. Yeah, I honestly didn't see this happening, but as I mentioned last week, I'm more than happy that it did happen. I, I think Josh Alexander can carry the X Division Championship in a way that 
uh, Douglas Williams did back in the day. Less flashy flip-flop and fly, but a lot more down, ground, and pound pro wrestling. Honestly, I'm okay with Ace Austin losing the championship. He's had it before. He'll probably have it again. And I would really like to see Ace Austin somehow challenge Kenny Omega for, for the title because I think that'd be a fun match. That'd be a fun match, yeah. I mean, it'd be Two an, cocky an heels, obvious, just cocky healing all over each other. Just cocking all over. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be an obvious match. We'd know that Ace Austin isn't beating Kenny Omega, but it would. You're right. It would I think that's most match. people in Impact. I feel like you got to wait until this next round of WWE releases gets signed in order for anybody to come in and beat uh, Kenny Omega. I could see Eddie Edwards. I could see Sammy Callahan. Uh, Maybe Eddie Edwards. I feel like Sammy Callahan would get beat. I uh, feel like, like I said, I kind of think that's the kind of what he's there to do. Well, we'll bring him up later because I'm not going to bring him up right now because he's coming up. But uh, yeah, there's there's a handful of people. Obviously, Rich Swan. But yeah, I I, I hear you. Yeah, it's um, it's a short. Oh, by the way, spoilers: Kenny Omega won the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, we did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Pacey starts out with a point, starts 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 it out running and moves into the eight-man tag team. Violent by design, although Eric Young couldn't make it due to injury, so he had a new member debut, William Morrissey, the former Big Cass. So Violent by Design, Dean and Joe Doring, Rhino, and W. Morrissey. Defeated Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards, James Storms, and Willie Mack. Yeah. This was pretty good. This was a, a really fun match. I uh, It was a little better than I, I expected it to be. I wasn't sure. It's kind of hard with all these multi-men matches and stuff like that. But I will say they, they made this match... To uh to de- definitely focus on Morrissey's debut and like him or not, uh, he made a hell of a debut. He was yeah, he, he did. He looked good. He looked like a star. He stood out. It's uh you know what's great although although at this point Kirsten is sitting there and she looks over and she's like, I thought you were watching Impact. I'm like, I am. She's like, What is Edge doing there? And I laughed my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you watched um impact wrestling this week he's doing he's doing a scott hall he's kind of doing scott yeah hall when scott hall first joined wcw he's he's the bad guy he's like you may know who i am but you don't know i am here and this kind of stuff and so he, he's really i gotta say up- that's the exact vibes i got off of him at rebellion too yeah yeah exactly so he's his gimmick is sort of a Scott Hall kind of pre-NWO or beginning NWO Scott Hall, which isn't bad. It, it might work, especially because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just we're going to have to see what creative does with him. We're going to have to see what he does for himself. Uh, but I'm just, I mean, this, I think this worked for, for making him who he is. And uh, they're starting him off on the right foot to be a star, what they do with him going forward. And I was going to say, Pasty, this is one of the guys I could see them having beat Kenny Omega. I would not want him to beat Kenny Omega, but I could see creative having that happen. I'm looking forward to him clashing with Moose most of all. 
Morrissey? Yeah. Morrissey and Moose. Yeah, that would Just be good. Just big dudes beating the shit out of each other. I think that'd be awesome. Beat the fuck I would love to say I like the fact that Eric Young is stepping back and allowing the young guys to shine, but of course Rhino's in this match, and he's older than Eric Young. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> older than Eric Young, been around longer than Eric Young. But by gum, he's young at heart. <laughs> good old Rhino. So. Ah, no, this was a fun match. Mostly got overshadowed just by Morrissey's debut, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. but That, yeah. Was, that was all I was focused on at that point. Was, I agree. Oh, is like I said, good? I think that's kind of what they, they centered it around, uh, which at least gets people talking. And I think he works with VBD. Yeah. I like him in that, that role. I could see him actually kicking out Eric Young and turning Eric Young babyface, getting a feud there. I could see that. Once again, wouldn't you want to get rid of Rhino being the oldest guy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but Rhino also works at VBD. I mean, he just, Rhino doesn't need to do anything solo at this point in his career. He just needs to be there and help elevate other guys. And if he can help elevate Morrissey and if he can help elevate all these other fellas, why not? Go for it. Yeah. Joe Doring. I mean, I'm telling you, Joe Doring say it i think every time we talk about impact he is a future main eventer he's the smaller one right no joe doring is the big oh, okay the, uh, the big, big hairy guy guy yeah. yeah 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 he's just a beast he's very very he he just reminds me of stan hansen through and through i i think i like deaner a lot in this match yo beans he's got he's got good expression for a wrestler. He reminds me of like uh Jamie Noble almost. He does. And I, I um if I remember right, I think he did like theater in college and stuff in a little bit when he was he was out and you know, when he was doing the whole trailer park stuff as Co- Cody Deaner with ODB, I mean he really was his character was about all the skits and stuff in between what happened in the ring, not so much his matches. And now he's doing a little less of that and he's focusing He's focusing on his matches, but as you mentioned, he's putting that character into the matches. Yeah. I also, I think it's worth pointing out, Violent by Design is a five-member group now. Now they can go against, like, the, the Super Elite or or um, the Pinnacle, Pinnacle or Inner Circle. So that's good. That is good. That is good. Although I feel like it's Violent by Design. You kind of need Callahan in there. I feel like Callahan would be a good replacement for Rhino. He would. Well, that's just my opinion. We can't really sit here talking about this match all day, <laughs> but it's good. Good things are happening in Impact. This this pay per view felt great, and then there was the grudge match with Brian Myers defeating Matt Cardona again, and I was sad. I didn't get a point here. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one is. Probably my least favorite match of the night. The thing is, the thing is, Cardona and Myers had the opportunity to prove the critics wrong tonight. They had a chance to prove to WWE that they could be single stars at a level that no one else has given them the chance. But I don't think they accomplished it. You know, it could have been better. It could have been better when Cardona went down at, like his knee because yep. that looked real. That looked fucking real. And if they would have just played it out that way, it would have been off a lot better than having Myers attack him again. Right. 
Because at that point, you're well, just thought, automatically like, oh, yeah, that is fake. Yeah, I thought they were going to do something with that. I mean, they had, a, like, a technically sound, pretty solid match. Mm. It wasn't a bad match, but it's a mid-card match. It's a third match of the night match. It's where... You would assume with how close those two are in real life, too, that they would put on something far yeah. more entertaining. It's basically a match. I mean, it's basically the same spot that any other matches have been in in the past. You know, I, I don't think it was uh, very different. I would say, I will say that uh, uh, the ending kind of with uh, with Myers being the conniving, scheming heel, I, I did like that. He was great in a moment. I mean, I, I think that's where he works well. And I think Brian Myers is kind of overshadowing Cardona, at least in character wise. Which I wouldn't have expected. I would have expected oh, I'm pretty it the other sure, way around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cardona's do a win here coming up. We'll be talking about this tournament in a little bit of time. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm pretty sure because I, I don't believe this is the end of the feud. I think they're going to have a big blow off somewhere down the line, and hopefully that one does better. But I got to say, hey, at least for them, they're they're actually featured on the pay per views here. They are featured on the pay per views. But I feel like they're just proving that they're mid card acts. So I'd it's, like to uh, see them prove they're more than it's your Tommy cards. Dreamer match. That's you know, it's 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what you want to be known as. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, they're in the red age range. I think they might take that as a compliment. <laughs> After that we had the knockouts tag team championship where Jordan Grace and a mystery partner took on Fire and Flavor, the defending champions, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles. Of course, Jordan Grace, I thought for sure that it was going to be the rumored return of Taylor Wilde, and Taylor Wilde was going to be joining Jordan Grace, but that did not happen. Instead, Rachel Ellering made her return to Impact Wrestling. That was pretty badass. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Caught me off guard. And in that moment she stepped out, I knew old Fat Mac was losing this one as I picked Fire and Flavor to retain. And I was pretty sure my girl Gracie and old Rachel Ellering were going to take it. By gum, pasty one with that t- TBD. Yes, I did. It was it was definitely a worthwhile call. This was a good match. Very fun match. And I think I might say this every time I talk about a Jordan Grace match, but I... I still don't think people give Jordan Grace the credit she deserves for being as good as she is. I mean, she was the glue of this match, held it together, always in the right spot at the right time. She does, you know, just the little things so well. She got awesome timing. And the thing is, she was great here, and she she was really like the MVP while still keeping the focus <laughs> on, on Rachel Ellering, which is mm-hmm. hard to do. And Ellering came out... Just on fire, energetic, brought electricity to the match. She, she seemed off a step or two and made a, a couple mistakes here. But, you know, she I don't think she's been wrestling a whole lot since she left NXT. So I guess you would think ring rust is to be expected. Yeah, well, she wasn't wrestling a whole lot on NXT either. <laughs> That's a good point, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, Fire and Flava, they're too good to fall out of contention. I mean, they're oh, going to they be in here. And I think, uh, I honestly think Jordan and Ellering could possibly be a semi-long-term tag team, which. I hope so. They they complement each other well enough. They do. I just think Jordan is, is needs to be knockout champion sometime. But right now the Virtuosa is holding good with that. And uh, yeah, these two really are a good pairing. Definitely. 
Fire and Flavor looked good too. I, I'm not going to take anything away from them. This was a fun match, good match to watch. Um, although I had already, when they came out, is when I decided they probably weren't retaining their championship because there was something off about their entrance. They just weren't as into it as they usually are. Oh yeah, you think they're like, yeah. uh, like a James Storm? They got they have boo boo face when they know they're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, you ever notice, so. if you ever watch, go back and watch old pay per views. Anytime James Storm comes out like super hyped and like uh, like pop, he ends up winning. Anytime he comes out and he just kind of looks depressed and just isn't into it, he loses. It's like, come on, dude, you got to fake it a little bit. Right? It's yeah, your yeah. job. Yeah, <laughs> but it it is funny. I didn't notice that, but I, I think I might go back and check that out because yeah, that happens. Yeah, they're just I don't know. I feel like all their other entrances have been so hype and on point, and they're all moving at the same time, and this was kind of not that. Right. Uh, good stuff though. I'm glad Rachel Erring's back. These are good knockouts tag team champions. It'll be interesting to see who can take them down. For sure. Uh, then we had a last man standing match, seeing Trey Miguel defeat Sammy Callahan by getting his ass kicked the entire time and making like one right move the entire match. Yeah. Uh, who 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 could have predicted Trey Miguel winning this one, Pasty? Yeah, yeah, me. I did Apparently. that. Apparently. I did that thing. <laughs> and I thought you were fucked on this one. <laughs> no, you won this I one. I thought I was too, watching the entire goddamn match. Tell you what, folks, at this point, at this match, at match number five, Pacey's at four, and I'm at one. So he's only lost one match so far. Same That's one that stuff. I lost. It's good stuff. It, it, I think it pays to kind of think of positioning for a for a brand war. Even though this brand war may never happen, because I said if it was going to happen, it had to happen here, and it never fucking yeah, happened. But you aced one pay per view. Settle down, buddy. Hey, you're I'm not, not used not to. Nosferatu, right? I'm not, not used to slow burns, man. <laughs> I might be Nosferatu. You might be Nosferatu. You're not Nosferatus. <laughs> you're not the vampire, damn it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore, pasty. Too early. But uh, I got to say the finish of this match made Sammy Callahan look really fucking stupid. Yeah, it, it honestly did. He did what a DDT on the stairs while they were sideways when you could clearly see that there's no back on the stairs and then flip them down over Trey Miguel. Like, yeah, he ain't getting up from that. Yeah. But Trey Miguel just crawled out the back and out from under the ring. Which is, which is better than what I thought was going to happen was that he was going to win with Trey Miguel under the stairs, even though it was open in the back. <laughs> that, like, I'm glad they didn't do that, because that's what I thought was going to happen, and I'm like, how fucking stupid. And I was like, okay, so... Well, you don't want to crawl under the ring, Swaggle's under there. You could be, you never know what, what might be <laughs> under there. Where the old doo-doo bucket sits. Overall, though, I think this was a good match. I mean, Trey Miguel's good at taking bumps and looking hurt. It, Yeah, Trey Miguel sold up and down for Sammy... He made Sammy look like a beast. He made himself look just like the the great underdog, and uh, and and he won it. Yeah, the best part of the finish is he won it by catching Sammy Callahan off guard. Like Sammy was able to get up, but he was on the table that was angled, and he slid back down instead of getting to his feet. Yeah. So, no, it, no matter what the match accomplished its goal, I think, which was proving that Trey Miguel is a, is a scrappy underdog that can fight through anything. Uh, was it a show stealer? Not so much. No, 
but I don't think we expected Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan to be a show stealer. I kind of did. I, I anticipated this to be my favorite match of the night, and I feel like beyond, what, Myers-Cardona, this was like probably the second worst match. Uh, yeah, probably up there. I feel like I, I will say there that- just wasn't enough Trey Miguel uh, offense I think the to, next, for me. I would say the next match is probably second to worst for me, but that's my opinion. But I, I will say that the storyline, the storytelling in this match was really, really good. And maybe that's why yeah. I liked it a little more too. But yeah. They did some fun stuff. They were creative with the violence and all in all. I like that when he put the wrench in Trey's mouth and was going to like rip his fucking cheek open. Uh, yeah, cool. with the cheek. I was like, that's that's cool. You can feel that kind of, you know, those are some yeah. of the things that you can just it was, feel. made me cringe. I like when wrestling does that. You know. Then we have the Impact Tag Team Championships on the line. Finn Juice and New Japan's David Finley and Juice Robinson successfully defended their championships against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Yeah, they did. I like Finn Juice. I know you don't. I'm not a big fan of theirs. I never liked Juice Robinson before Finn Juice, though. I'm going to say that. Yeah. He, he is definitely better with Finley, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and and when they're done, when they're said and done, I think Juice Robinson will have a pretty solid future. I mean, so will Finley. Yeah, I was going to say, I like David Finley. I think he's got a long way to go in New Japan. I've never had an issue with David Finley where I have with Juice, so i got to give him credit where credit's due. Great. <clears throat> yeah, this was just kind of an old-fashioned tag team match. I mean, there really wasn't nothing really bad, but at the same time, to me, there wasn't anything really great. Yeah, there was. It wasn't there. Not not a whole lot to talk about here. No, the the only thing I, I I liked was throughout the whole match, the the Good Brothers kept trying to do the magic killer, and they kept not being able to get it, and that's kind of uh, that kind of led to them losing. And so I'm just wondering, maybe maybe it's time for them to come up with a new finisher. <laughs> what do you think that'll be? I have no idea, but I just. <laughs> The Magic Killer's been around for a while, and it, the way that they used it during this match to not be able to hit it ever, and 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 it and it cost them the match. It's like I I I could see them building up for, and it's about time for them. To, they could freshen up. They could use something new. Yeah, you can always yeah, still use so. the Magic Killer and add more to your repertoire. Also, that was a little bit too close to the whole like theme theme of the main event too. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but you know, right. Swan kept getting out. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was—I mean, it was a solid match. It got me a point, so I can't be mad. <laughs> Say that about every damn match. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, and we had the knockouts championship match. Deanna Purazzo put her title on the line against Tennille Dashwood. And I gotta say, I don't think I saw this one. Really? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Well, I know uh, I saw the end, but other than that, like, Brazo, I think at this point is definitely the best women's champion that any any promotion has right now. She can work with any opponent. She's very diverse. You want to put her in a brawl? She can brawl. You want to put her in a catch as catch can? She can do that. You want to put her against a a small flyer she can take them i mean whatever whatever you got you can 
me, the thing kind of fell apart when the focus was really no longer on the competitors between the ropes and switched to all the ringside distractions with Caleb. There was a whole lot of people out there at the end. Yeah, yeah, Caleb with a K, and you had Susan, and you had uh, Kimberly, and it just, it got a little too much. But prior to that, Brazo, I mean, she showed she was excellent. And, and Dashwood, I think this was her best match that I've seen for a long time. I mean, she really, she she proved she could trade holds with the Virtuosa. And um, she probably, you know, they made it look like she easily could have won, won if it wasn't for all the outside interference. Not easily, but she could have won. I would say... Lately, she hasn't been used as good as she could, but this match definitely switched things up and kind of showed you a hint of what the old uh, woman's revolution in, in NXT, you know, she was a big part of bringing women's wrestling back into the forefront, and she showed a lot of that here. I'm mm-hmm. glad to see that. These two worked very well together. Good shit. Then we got main event pasty champion versus champion. Both belts on the line. Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, took the Impact World Championship from Rich Swan in a uh, a long, fun, back and forth, beautiful match. It was really good. I last week I had predicted this was probably going to be my least favorite match on the card, just because. The anticipated ending of it falling flat to a to a fuck finish, but we didn't get that here. No, Wasn't we even got a controversial finish. To me, this match pretty much felt everything like a champion versus champion match should feel like. Yeah, the stakes were there, the story was there. Rich Swan getting out of every attempt of at the uh, one winged angel, one winged angel. Yeah, like just it was really good. This was, I mean, I guess if I could steal a phrase from good old JR, quite the slobber knocker. And fucking Mauro Ronaldo on the announce team just made it so much better. And you know what? He worked really well with Matthews and uh, D'Lo. They got real quiet. They were like, we're going to let him take point on this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and besides that, like, I'm pretty sure that Morrow has never called a match for either of these guys. Uh, maybe Swan. Maybe Swan. I can't think of him doing it, but maybe. But he still did just a fucking awesome job for never really having worked with with these guys. Yeah. It was... It's always good to have him on the announce team. Yeah, just... he, he really did add a... a he really helped make this feel like a big fight, and it was. I think it would be so awesome if he became Kenny Omega's personal announcer. <laughs> so when he defends a championship anywhere, Morrow's there. That would be fun. That would very. That would be very fun. But yeah, this. Otherwise, the greedy part of me says, "Go to fucking AEW, please." <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think he'd be great in Impact. I think he he, he would be Impact. He I would be, but he Impact's fits. fucking announce team is, is better than AEW's announce team. Yeah, I'm I just sorry. don't think Morrow fits AEW to me. Like, I don't think his style really works. Maybe, but, yeah. Anyways, I'd just love to hear Morrow again, because he's just, this was great. It brought me back. Oh, and it felt good, because then after you read that, that you know, calling this match reignited, reignited. His, his passion for professional wrestling again. That yeah. makes me feel good, because... 
God, he's one of the best. Yeah, he's got it difficult. You know, he's got he's got his issues and his life is far from easy. But it makes me happy to see him happy. Oh, I agree. And um, and that's just the announcer. Um, if we want to get back to the actual wrestlers, God, uh, Swan, just really, he was so uh, resilient, absorbing everything Omega. I mean, I lost count of how many V-triggers Omega hit on him multiple times, over and over. A lot of them where he wasn't even able to defend himself and just took it straight to the head. It, it was it was awesome. I can't count the amount of times Omega went for the one-winged angel. Like, you yeah. bring it up. It's like he just kept going for it, kept wanting to hit it, and Swan just found a lot of different creative ways to get out of it. Um, there was twice when they were on the turnbuckles that there was a, a botched move. One, I think, was just a simple, like, flip over. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Yeah, that was where, where what, Swan was on the top and Kenny Omega came to the second rope and then Swan went over uh, and, like, a pile drive or powerbomb. Yeah. And Kenny, like, it, 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 flew off weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was no, Swan didn't have a grip on Kenny and he still went. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think he went after Swan was already, like, almost down. It was really mm-hmm. awkward. Uh, Just, just poor timed. Uh, The one thing, though, I wish... I wish all of them would quit doing it. And they keep talking about the one wing. Nobody's kicked out of the one winged angel. And it's like, yes, people have kicked out of the one winged angel. It's happened at least twice. Once on AEW television. But. Who? Uh, Moxley. No, he got his foot under the explosive rope. He kicked out. It's an explosive. You can't. There, there is no foot under the rope. In a bar, in an exploding ring match. <laughs> can't get your foot under the rope in an exploding <laughs> ring match. Pasty. You can hit him with barbed wire, but if they get their foot under the rope. Yeah, but, like, there was no kick. He didn't get his shoulders off the mat. Yeah, you know what I mean? remember because it electrocuted him and he and he shot up. <laughs> you don't remember him kicking out of that? We talked about it. I mean, I still think it's a non-qualifier. Why? Because it wasn't a legit kick out. Why not? He Grabbing the ropes isn't kicking out. He didn't you know what I mean? In ropes. any match. He literally jumped his body up and kicked uh, and got Omega off him. What more do you want? But also, Kota Ibushi is kicked out of it in, in New Japan, so it's still not a not. And and that was a big deal. They, I think it yeah. takes a lot of. I think it takes a lot away from Ibushi being the first one to kick out of a one winged angel where they when they constantly uh, until Ibushi comes to call him out for some gold. Yeah, you know what I mean? Then you got a story, right? Uh, nonetheless, I mean. This the only thing beautiful. I gotta say I was upset is at one point during this match I got up to go to the bathroom. Kirsten wasn't watching so much. I'm like, what did I miss anything good from the bathroom? And she's like, Oh, Kenny Omega's just kneeing Rich Swan in the face. He's kneeing Rich Swan in the face again. Just more knees to the face. More knees to the face. And I got out right as the finish was happening. <laughs> That was a lot of E-triggers, dude. Like I said, I lost count. And Omega was definitely working the head and neck. He did do yeah. a, uh, he did a uh, spike pile driver on the ring apron. Um, yeah, Mar- he did. That was sick. And Mauro, he's like, the proverbial hardest part of the ring. I loved how he said the proverbial. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm trying to think. There was a... Uh, 
Oh, the 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 Frankensteiner was the one that was fucked up too. I think in the corner, he went for a Frankensteiner, and just kind of that's the one where I think that um, Swan landed, and then Kenny went and flew for it. That's what it. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, Swan hit a frog splash at one point, which surprised me. I was looking for the uh, for the old Phoenix, but he didn't. Um, he missed. He missed the Phoenix like twice, also, or one time he landed on his feet, one time he missed. Oh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, this is just a match you really should watch. Everybody should watch it. Seriously, like I said, it's um, it's it's exactly what a champion versus champion match oh, should fucking feel like. Omega got like three snap or two snapdragons in a row. He was yeah. going for the third, and he wasn't. And Swan was able to get out of that. I mean, Swan really did play the underdog well on this one, also. Um, Swan hit quite a few cutters. He uh, oh, he, he took out uh, Brian Hebner. Remember that Omega pulled yep. Brian Hebner in for the cutter, where out Aubrey Edwards was. Yeah, he was going to hit Rich Swan with a chair, and Aubrey's just standing there, and you think she's going to let him get away with it, and he pulls the chair back. She snatches the chair out of his hands. See, when he was bitching at her and she had the chair, I was so waiting for her to hit him with the chair. Dude, I want her to do that. <laughs> I then, really do. Yeah, I didn't want that to be the the win, but I thought that'd be cool to just hear her go whap. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, dad, that would have been cool. You want to hit somebody with a chair? You know what getting hit with a chair feels like? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, God. Uh, oh, Kenny Omega busted out the J-Drilla. Yeah. And they called it the J-Driller? I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> They're bringing in some ROH shit here now, too. God damn. Rich hit the uh, Rich and Oku driver, I'm sure. I remember that happened. Oh, they, they t- I, I think they hit everything. I think they hit yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. And they had to Multiple step outside times. of their arsenal, too, because they had each other too well scouted. Yeah. Yeah, for two guys who have never wrestled before and are in different companies, they had each other just fucking scouted. And it was uh, a V-Trigger and um, One-Winged Angel, and Kenny Omega got the uncontroversial win. Yes, right he there did. in the middle of the ring. Clean. I like how it was champion versus champion, but Kenny still walked out with three belts. <laughs> I think it was, it's clever that they didn't merge them into one belt yet. So it looks like he's got more gold right. than he has. And eventually when he has too much gold to carry it all, that's when they're going to merge the two. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, this was, was good. Neat. I, I this... very much like this. I think this was an A plus match. Yeah, definitely. Gave it an A plus easily. Yeah, definitely got a lot more than I was bargaining for out of this. It was a very fun watch. So, Pasty, that left you with a uh, uh, seven out of eight. Yep. I the up, only match I didn't get a point on was Myers Cardona. Yeah, I ended up getting three points, I believe. But the only points I got were the points you got, too. So, son of a bitch. Uh, best match of the night? My, I mean, I... Anybody who's listened to this just knows I'm gonna say Kenny Omega, Rich Swan. Yeah, I'm I'm right I'm right there. How do you not? Yep. Uh, and if you had to give this full pay per view a grade, pasty, because you do have to give this full pay per view a grade. I do. Uh, fuck. I'll go with the A minus. It was really good. I think I had more fun watching this than I did either night of WrestleMania. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm gonna give it a B plus just for the handful of things I think could have been different. Uh, just because, honestly, everything was kind of just B all the way through except for 
a couple C's and then an A plus. So I think it fits right in there as a B plus. I enjoyed watching it all the way through. I, there was nothing I really regretted watching. Uh, again, the Cardona Myers match I, I could have done without, and the Finn Juice Good Brothers match didn't feel like their heart was in it. But other than that, everything was very enjoyable, and they set up Impact really good. Impact. Do you think the Good Brothers could just move to AEW? That's kind of what I was wondering with the outcome of this match. Well, like, is there, did they have a short-term contract that's almost no, up where they could no, freely they go? No, short-term contract. I think they were a three-year contract when they signed. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. So, but, you know, there's always talent exchange that could go on. Yeah, there is. You know, it, it all depends on how much uh, each people want to work with each other. Each company wants to work with each other. So... And it seems like Impact's more than willing to work with AEW um, on whatever they want. So, who knows? Sky's <laughs> the limit today. I mean, the, the, the doors are open, right, Pasty? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Forbidden Door is swinging. And uh, I guess that brings us into this week's Savage Sentinel. Snap into it. Yes. When Takami Obari took over for Harold Mage as president of New Japan Pro Wrestling in October, it led to much speculation that New Japan could reverse its position on talent sharing and working with other wrestling companies. In a recent interview with New Japan Pro Wrestling 1972.com, Obari clarified the company's current position on the matter. Obari stated, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. This is a star-driven business. And the wrestlers are the focus. So if our wrestlers say, I want to wrestle that guy, I want to test myself against that guy, I want to show I'm better than that guy, then it becomes our job as a company to do what we can to back them. Make it happen and make it successful. I like the sounds of that. Yeah, I like the sound of talent-driven business. That's that's what it is. and A lot of companies forget that, that the talent's what's making the money. Yeah, good for him. We, I, I, he seems to be doing a lot of good stuff as as president. I like, I like where he's going with this. I think he's gonna, mm-hmm. he's gonna have hey, his the own best way to keep talent with your company is to do what you can to make them happy too. Yeah, he's gonna, he's we're gonna look back on him and, and call it. We're we're gonna talk about the uh, Obari era of New Japan. I believe definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar news, Pasty, in an interview with uh, My Mom's Basement podcast. He's going to be the Reggie fils of, of New Japan. <laughs> Daniel Bryan was not shy about his thoughts on the belt collector Kenny Omega, heaping praise on the new Impact World Heavyweight Champion, stating, he looks at wrestling differently than anybody else. With Kenny Omega, there's no previous evolution point. It's just these completely new things that have entered his head and he's daring to try. Brian also advocated for WWE superstars to be allowed to fight other promotions in a separate interview with Barstool Sports, stating, I don't think people truly understand how great a lot of the WWE superstars are because we don't necessarily put on a pure wrestling product. We put on a sports entertainment product. If all of a sudden you saw Cesaro in New Japan, for example, people would be like, oh my god, this guy's the greatest. I think you put Otis in New Japan and people would be like, holy cow, this guy is amazing. Very much like Vader from the 90s type of vibe. People think of him as the worm guy, but it's it's just a different presentation. Uh, by the way, Brian, I think that's caterpillar, not worm. 
<laughs> I don't know how I know that. Brian was also <laughs> asked about recently having expressed a desire to wrestle outside WWE while still working for the company. He said, I've brought it up to a lot of people and now is more than ever it and now is more than ever is the time. There you go, Brian. When people are open to new ideas. That's I, those head injuries coming back. I think so. It's that CTE, baby. <laughs> I think I've made some headway whether any of it actually happens. Who knows? And let's not forget John Moxley will defend his IWGP US title against Yuji Nagata on the May 12th edition of AEW Dynamite. This will mark the very first time a New Japan title will be on the line in AEW. So things are definitely changing in the pro wrestling world. Yes. In the aftermath of Impact Rebellion, Scott D'Amore cut an in-ring promo stating that due to the nature of the winner-takes-all aspect of the Swan versus Omega match, there will be no rematch clause in the contract, and Omega's next challenger will be determined in a six-way match at Under Siege. With three qualifying matches taking place on this week's Impact and three more to take place next week. This week's qualifying matches, we saw Chris Bay defeating Jake something. Brian Myers getting beat by Matt Cardona. And Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan faced off in the main event as a no contest. During the main event of the Callahan-Edwards match, Omega, the Good Brothers, and Don Callis got involved with the match that ended in a no contest. Just as Kenny was about to hit Sammy with a V-trigger, Finju showed up to save the day. Later on, Sammy Callahan would treat a gif of a switchblade, possibly teasing a switchblade conspiracy reunion that fans have been clamoring for, or perhaps a feud with Bullet Club's switchblade Jay White. Now, next week on Impact, we'll see the last of the qualifiers. Matches like James Storm versus Moose, Rhino versus Chris Saban, and Trey Miguel versus Rohit Raju. Yeah, this is good. I see Moose. That's going to be a good six-way match. If all the big dudes go on, you know what I mean? Oh, I was going to say, I see I see Moose advancing, I see Chris Saban advancing, yeah. and I see Trey Miguel advancing. I think. Yep. That'd be Chris Bay, Matt Cardona. Um, I'm guessing Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan are out. Or they're both going to be in. I, think I don't know. Out, but it could be either way. But Well, Scott yeah. D'Amore isn't like pro Kenny Omega, you know what I mean? It's true. So that's where I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be Moose fun. will beat James Storm because James Storm don't know how to win. Uh, yeah, I think Moose will be James Storm for sure. I think Chris Saban's beating <laughs> Rhino probably. Yeah. Rhino has his place in VBD, and Trey Miguel should definitely go on. Rohit Raju, I think, doesn't fit as well in this group as Trey Miguel does. Yeah. But yeah, this this should make for a a really fun pay-per-view coming up. And as Pasty and I were talking about before the show... Um, I think Under Siege is the next big pay-per-view we have coming up, which is crazy because we just had another <laughs> Impact pay-per-view. That doesn't happen often. Like I said, this is this is AEW's clever way of having 12 pay-per-views a year. <laughs> yep, they're just bankrolling Impact <laughs> pay-per-views. Oh, <clears throat> moving on, though, Pacey, the creators of Dark Side of the Ring released the lips. Lips? They released the lips! Yeah! They also released the list! Of episodes for the new season of the show that begins airing 
this coming week, pasty. May Actually, 6th. the first episode is on YouTube right now. Go check it out. Yeah. That's weird. Because they said the 6th. But then, like, I woke up this morning. Or was it? It might have been yesterday, last yesterday in the evening when somebody started saying, oh, the Brian Pillman episode's already up. <laughs> cool. Well, I suppose it debuts on television on May 6th on on um on vice yeah and they got you a sneak peek on youtube if you want to check it out uh but of course yes we got brian pillman that will premiere the sixth or you can go check it out on youtube right now that'll be a really good one he uh you know he's he was quite the controversial character long before his death he he had the uh i respect you booker man angle in wcw with kevin sullivan of course he was going to uh take his cock out and piss in the ring in ECW. <laughs> despite what, despite how rumors have changed or, or, or how, uh, how everything becomes uh, lore. He, he did not actually do that. It was a threat. He didn't, but I remember he dressed up as a giant pencil and said he was the most powerful figure in pro wrestling, which they always say the pencil is the most powerful thing in pro wrestling. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, then you also have the gun angle with um, Steve Austin when Steve Austin broke into his house and Pillman unloaded a firearm. And then, of course, you also have his tragic death. Um, man, with really that that should be really good. You got hardcore wrestling legend Nick Gage is the second episode. That'll be really fun. No, tell me a little bit about some of these because I don't know a lot of like why why is Nick Gage an episode? What happened? Do you not know who Brian Pillman is? I know who Brian. I said Nick Gage. <laughs> I know who Brian Pillman is, and you explained a bunch of it. So that's kind of what I wanted well, I here. Not, was I didn't know I was explaining. Clarify anything. some 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 things, not everything. Just just the the shit I'm not familiar with. Well, Nick I'm sure Gage more is aren't. a uh, uh, he he's kind of the face of death matches right now. He's I think right now he's in uh game changer wrestling. Uh but he's kind of been he was part of CZW. Uh he's he helped helped start CZW Combat Zone Wrestling back in the day. And he's kind of gone to extreme lengths doing things that a lot of wrestlers and fans deem harmful to pro wrestling. See the one who took Less Joey Janela off the rooftop and another truck of light bulbs? Nope, that was uh, Zandig. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But nonetheless, he <laughs> he was part of Team Zandig, actually, back in the day. So, nice. I mean, he worked with uh, Zandig. All the people you know, Necro Butcher, uh, Sammy Callahan, Eddie Kingston, all the people you know as, like, these, uh, these hardcore wrestling guys, he, he's been a part of. So I, I'm guessing I don't know much about any like personal demons. So I'm guessing this is going to be more about like deathmatch wrestling in general, and he's kind of going to be the face of it. That that's my guess. Um, oh shit! No 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 no. Hold on. I think he's the guy that uh um went to went to prison for robbing a bank. Wasn't he the one <laughs> that that robbed the bank and then? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right. That, that would make more As soon as I said that, I was like, wait a second. Because, no, he, he got busted for robbing a bank. Then he came out and kind of uh, uh, kind of remade a name for him. Let me see here. Yeah, yeah, 2010. 2010, he robbed a bank in uh, Collingswood, New Jersey. 
and uh, uh, spent five years in prison. Came out, and uh, now he's now he's back wrestling again. So, so that'll be a really fun one. You got the Collision in Korea, which was a WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling event that was held in North Korea. Which uh, I do back think then, I remember us talking about that fairly recently. Uh, we may have because actually we did. It was part of the This Week in Pro Wrestling History. Yeah. This was the large this to this day the largest pro wrestling event ever held. Um, numbers get thrown around as various amounts. As wrestling numbers do. Yeah, and then there's rumors that everyone in Korea was forced to go. and But nonetheless, no matter what the, the rest of the bullshit behind it is, it was an event that helped promote peace. It was between uh, Japan, America, and North Korea. It had never happened before. It was the largest wrestling event ever, even if you think the numbers are inflated and even if you think people were forced to be there. Um, it's It was huge internationally. It, definitely a big, big deal. Ultimate Warrior. I don't think we have to say much about Ultimate Warrior. No, I'm more because I've seen the rise and fall of Ultimate Warrior. Granted, yeah. that's WWE's slant on things. I'm more interested for the end of this episode when they talk about his fucking Hall of Fame induction and then it him does. dying right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Grizzly Smith, pasty. You know who Grizzly Smith is? Uh, probably not. So he uh he has uh three children that are in the pro wrestling. Sam Houston is one son, one daughter is Rock and Robin, and then you everybody may know, everybody does know his other son, Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, Jake okay. the Snake is the son of Grizzly Smith and his then girlfriend's daughter, who he raped and had Jake the Snake. So this will be interesting. Grizzly has three children that are that are fairly well known in the pro wrestling business. Um, the Jake Roberts thing is huge. Uh, this this will be fun. I'm, I I don't know a lot about actually Grizzly Smith other than his kids, so that'll be cool. Dynamite Kid, we're going to go into Dynamite Kid, of course, was part of the British Bulldogs. It was Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith. Dynamite Kid ended up having a massive CTE. He was big on the diving headbutt. He's now wheelchair-ridden, really bad off. Uh, he was known for beating the shit out of his girlfriends and having a lot of steroid drug use problems. Of course, him and Davy Boy Smith actually... Uh, had quite a falling out that they say never got never got um, ironed out before Davy Boy Smith's death. Dynamite was kind of pissed that Davy Boy went on to use the British Bulldog name and such. Um, Johnny K9, aka Bruiser Bedlam. I'm not sure about this one, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, steroid trials of Vince McMahon. This is things of legends. Of course, the the United States government was trying to take down WWF at the time. I'm hard pressed to think I'm going to learn anything new from that episode. You don't think maybe, you will? maybe? Oh yeah, but I think we've heard so learn. much about it. I think we're going to all learn some. FMW Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling—that's Oneida's group—and if you don't know it, uh, just Google King of Deathmatch Tournament FMW. I mean, they kind of popularized what we know as death matches now: light tubes, fire, exploding rings, blades. Uh, barbed wire rings, all of that. All my favorite things. They were all popularized in FMW with Oneida. That's what good little boys are made of. 
Plane ride from hell. Infamous WWE flight back from European tour that had an open bar and where uh, I think it was Freebird Michael Hayes who tried to piss on Linda McMahon while she was sleeping. That's Somebody just, almost got thrown out of an airplane. That's that just too, uh, right? between that. And I think that's also the one where Vince McMahon and Kurt Angle got into a wrestling match. Yep. So a lot, a lot of fun stuff on this. I I'm excited. Cause I, God, that would have been such a fun party to be at from so much. I've heard about, I can't wait to hear even more about this one. That one's going to be fun. They should come up with a better name for it than playing ride from hell though. Cause I feel like that gives it such a negative connotation. Well, it was for anybody who worked in the company. <laughs> anybody in the in the backstage it was hell to deal with afterwards um yeah um who was it no it wasn't rod no roddy didn't drink at the time who was it that took his cock out and was chasing flair might have been flair yeah I was it, gonna was say, flair. it might have been flair that took his cock out and was chasing the <laughs> the stewardess stewardess who were trying to get away from him and i mean yeah. flight attendant right yes, that's what we gotta attendant. say we got Luna Vachon. She's the daughter of Butcher Vachon and the niece of Mad Dog Vachon. There is a huge uh, wrestling family there. Of course, she died young due to drugs. That'll be um, interesting. XPW Extreme Professional Wrestling. I uh, I don't know controversy of it, so that'll be fun. And then Chris Canyon, probably the greatest pro wrestler. Very few people remember the innovator of offense. Mortis, if you will. Um, he was a brilliant pro wrestler, but his demons of uh, being a closeted homosexual and dealing with drugs led to a suicide and, a, and just the loss of a guy who's, by all accounts, one of the nicest men. And anybody who watched him in the ring knows he's one of the most creative men. A lot of moves people use regularly now were created by Chris Canyon. So all of these should be very fun. There's a few that I'm uh, interested to learn uh, some stuff on with XPW and Johnny K9. So yeah, this, this sounds like they're, they're still coming up with really good material on season uh-huh. three. You know, I really got to give them credit too. Cause dark side of the ring is able to get fucking Cornette, Vince Russo and Pritchard all on the same program. Granted, they're not together right. ever. <laughs> but it's really cool to have their all their perspectives at the same time. Yeah, and Eric Bischoff and and yeah. all these different people. All these people who would just murder Jericho. each other if they were in the same room. It's crazy how many And honestly, I've been watching some episodes where I maybe I don't disagree with Jim Cornette as much as I thought I did. I always thought he was just this dick asshole who couldn't get with new wrestling stuff, but he's watched so many of his friends die. Well, see, that he doesn't want to see people die from doing things you don't need to be doing. He is a, a dick asshole, and I don't think anybody, even himself, would deny that. But he also is a brilliant man when it comes to pro wrestling. I mean, he's brilliant yeah. when it comes to pro wrestling. I just, I feel like I, he, he he cares, and that's that's his biggest downfall with people's perspective on him. He cares, but. He says it in a way to piss people off. Yeah, and he knows yeah. he's doing it, too. He knows he's doing it. He yeah. sells, I mean, every time he, he, he does something hugely controversial, his, his T-shirt sales go up, his <laughs> downloads go up of his podcast. Like, I mean, the man makes money off of it. He knows what he's doing. He's not dumb. Uh, but I think, yeah, because I've been watching quite a bit of the older stuff. I know they got like five old episodes up on YouTube and I sat and just binged them one day because I don't keep up with the show as much as I should, but I watch it because I like it. You know? Right. 
Yeah, um, and it's and it's one of those shows. Obviously, it's uh, it's not serialized; it's episodic. So you can watch, you can skip any episode that you don't really give a shit about, and uh-huh. you're not going to miss anything. Although I would recommend people watch. Probably, I, I would recommend you go and watch the ones you don't care about because you're probably going to you're going to learn, learn some, some fascinating stuff. stuff, and you'll you'll end up caring about it in the end. Yeah, you'll appreciate it at least more. So <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely. Good stuff. So excited for this. Can't get enough of Dark Side of the Ring, honestly. And I, I recommend going and watching, uh, I forget what it's called, like After Dark Side of the Ring or whatever, where it's uh, Conrad Thompson. It's confidential, and, uh, isn't it? Dark Side of the Ring yes, confidential. And they just, they they watch, it, it's basically an extra half hour where they splice in Conrad top, talking with the, the creators and explaining certain things that were happening at the time. So that's really fun. Ooh. Yeah, I just watched the confidential on the Von Eriks. Oh, such a that's there's no bigger tragedy in wrestling than the Von Eriks. How did that many people just tragically die of either suicide or drug overdose? There's one kid what it, uh, the 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 classic uh quote from um uh Carrie, Carrie's the last one alive. Carrie Von Eric the classic quote is I used to have six brothers. Now I'm not even a brother. Yeah. That's fucking sad. Mm-hmm. That's sad as shit. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that and the Owen Hart one back to back. It kind of fucked with me a bit. The Owen Hart one. The, the best part about that is when they show the actual clasp that he was on when he fell. Yeah. And it's like I wouldn't I wouldn't trust putting my dog no. on that to take him for a walk. <laughs> Holy shit. <sighs> but that's beside the point. Uh Cummings and, and, and then oh. they also got me thinking, you know, they get my brain ticking a little bit and they keep talking and all the episodes I was watching they're like like uh the the Bret Hart, you know, you never know if it was a work or a shoot and that's the yep. magic of wrestling and all that. And so it's like, well, did they fake his death so he could live his life with his family? Owen Hart? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> Because, uh, I don't know, I guess it's probably just watching all those episodes back to back and tying things together, right. but that was that was a fun little mental trip I took. Like, is he just on an island with Pac right now? <laughs> yeah, that'd <laughs> be wild. Uh, We're moving on, Pasty. Comings and goings. Yes, indeed. Allegedly, Tesha Blanchard and her husband, Daga, have been in talks with all elite wrestling and may be signed very soon. One one source close to the situation stating it's all but a formality until they are signed. It has even been noted that AEW officials intend on acknowledging Tessa's past issues with Impact Women's Division on television, allowing her somewhat of a redemption story arc. Hope she loses a whole lot first. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Both amazing talents, both Daga and Tessa. Hmm. So they're welcome addition to anybody's roster, I would say. At Shit, least they'd be, they'd, Tessa would do a lot for AEW Women's oh, Division. Oh, yeah. And Men's the, Division, too. I guess, no, you probably wouldn't get that in AEW unless AEW. Tony Khan changes his stuff. But they're still working with Impact, so you can get it there. Just send them over to Impact for those fights. <laughs> Then we got uh, La Sombra making some news here. Of course, the, the man formerly known as Andrade. He's making his return to Lucha Libre, pasty. 
former WWE star, appeared at Federation Wrestling's inaugural press conference to officially announce his participation with the promotion. The presence of Andrade will be felt immediately as he's actually going to headline Federation's first show on June 19th. He's going to be teaming with Los Ingobernobles teammate Rush, Bestia Del Ring, and a mystery partner to wrestle ROH stars Matt Taven, PJ Black, as well as two of their mystery partners. Taven also appeared via video to cut a promo hyping that match. So uh, this 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 little Federation's wrestling is is making some noise. They're definitely getting the attention of the pro wrestling world, especially the business end of it. Yeah, it's cool. I also heard Andrade was supposed to be fighting Alberto El Patron in the near future, which is controversial as shit. Yeah. But I think it'd be a good match seeing as they've both dated Flair. (laughs) And and obviously one of them has worked out while the other one didn't for reasons that we can only assume are adjacent to Paige's reasons. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So I would love to see Andrade kick the shit out of Patron. Right. I think it's weird that any company's still working with him with those allegations on the table, but that's just what it is. Well, they're all uh, Mexican companies and not, not, not throwing nationality racism into it, but they have, they seem to be a little looser with some of those things down there. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Federation wrestling, it appears to have a hand in the working relationship between ring of honor and CMLL disintegrating. CMLL announced the announced anointed the disillusion of the partnership effective immediately this past Tuesday. CMLL began working with Ring of Honor on August 10th, 2016, brought together due to their respective partnerships with New Japan Pro Wrestling. The agreement saw talent travel between both promotions and was largely seen as a catalyst for Roosh signing with Ring of Honor over MLW. Roosh would would depart CML himself in 2019 and has worked for AAA in Mexico since. The CMLL Ring of Honor partnership died just a few days after Matt Taven was announced as appearing at the Federation Wrestling event in June. A new player in the Lucha Libre scene, Federation is co-owned by Ring of Honor world champion and former CMLL star Roosh who will be appearing on the show alongside fellow Ring of Honor stars and family members Bestia, Del Ring, and Dragon Lee, as well as Ring of Honor star Bandito and AEW stars Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix. Yeah, they look like they're fucking just pulling out all the stops for this one, huh? Oh, hell yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know if all of their shows are going to be this heavily packed, but goddamn, they stacked up their first show with some of the best fucking talent outside of WWE right now. Good shit. I'm looking forward yeah. to this Federation wrestling. I'm sure it's uh, Spanish language and not going to be. My, my thing is, does that, does that bode well for the, the reboot of Lucha Underground or the MLW thing that they're working on? Like You know, I, I don't know, but I'm still behind that 100% as well, so. Yeah. We will see. Uh, somebody else who made news this week, Taylor Wilde, made her return to Impact 
during the Rebellion pay-per-view. Wild made a return after Impact Knockouts Championship match between Deanna Perrazzo and Tennille Dashwood. Susan and Kimberly joined Perrazzo on an attack on Dashwood in the middle of the ring. As things were looking very bleak for Tennille, Wild's music hit and she hit the ring for the first time since 2010, saving Tennille from the Virtuosa and her minions. Woohoo! Yeah. And was- lastly, as we've already talked about, Impact has signed M. Bison. Or W. Morrissey, as most people know him. Uh, formerly known as Big Ass from WWE. He made his debut in the newest member of EDB in the Rebellion pay-per-views, standing in for an injured Eric Young in the eight-man match. Enzo was asked on Twitter why he wasn't joining his former partner at Impact and simply replied, Thor doesn't need a Robin. Oh, snap! So Enzo thinks he's Thor. <laughs> No, Enzo thinks he's Robin. He thinks well, uh, Big Cass is Thor. Yeah, but Enzo doesn't know how to be humble. What are you talking about? Well, I think in this case he is because he called himself Robin and called Cass Thor. Well, that's good. It's good because I've wanted it's to. True. I, I'm excited. I hope Enzo shows up somewhere soon too. Yeah, you know he he's good. I like him in front of the. He's good in front of the camera. It's just how how toxic is he behind the scenes? That's yeah. That's up to I'm the sure promotion. he's learned. I'm sure he's learned and grown since he. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, if he said Thor doesn't need a Robin here, right? I think he kind of gets it, you know. Yeah, but he kind of gives me Teddy Hart vibes too. And how many times have we said, "Well, Teddy Hart has learned from his past mistakes." <laughs> no, now he's no. like now he's 45, <laughs> and it's like it's. Well, he learned it from his past mistakes. Teddy Hart now in jail. It's like, oh, no. I'm not. I would never compare Enzo to Teddy Hart. I, I, I think, I think in at, at at Enzo's age, I I could definitely put a parallel between Enzo and Teddy Hart. To be honest, uh, I I don't hope that Enzo ends up like. I hope nobody ends up like Teddy Hart. You got to remember talent. too. Enzo was brought in like most divas were back in the day. They didn't know wrestling. You know what I mean? Right. He he was just brought in for his mic skills for the most part. Right. No, un- understood. And, and I think it'd be, I think he can be a, a, a gift to pro wrestling. Um, just have to wait and see. But yeah, having uh, William Morrissey on impact could be a good thing too. Yeah. He could maybe become what Matt Morgan never could. And I always hoped for. Yeah. Also, if you don't have Enzo there talking for Cass, Cass won't look as bad because he can't talk like Enzo can. Yeah, you know but, what I mean? But you know this this fake uh, Scott Hall thing is working so far. This might be what works for him. I don't know. I don't know how far you can take it. <laughs> but it actually hasn't been bad. It hasn't been too cringy too far, too, so far. Good. Good, good, good. And you know what's great news, Pasty? What's that? Nothing on the injury report this week. Two weeks in a row. Fucking love it, baby. Huge pay-per-views. No injuries. Gotta love it. That's good. Amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. These uh, these core reports in Forbidden Doors has definitely been fun this week. Yes, indeed. The door just keeps on swinging. And I'm excited to see... What future weeks bring to the world of professional wrestling. It's it's cool feeling excited for things again. Oh, it's awesome. And with these new shows coming up, new promotions still starting, 
and wrestlers just being traded as if it was the NFL. I mean, it's good stuff. The only, the only negative I ever have to say is that right now there's, there's too much for me to take in at one time and you just got to pick and choose what you can handle. Yeah. And uh, I know, I know we didn't put it in the news cause it ain't news yet, but I do want to talk about this right here at the end of the show. For those who stuck around to the end, Sounds like WWE is getting a little butt hurt because everybody keeps saying they're not willing to play nice with other companies. Um, apparently, they're in talks with MLW to do some kind of a working partnership, but it would wind up like their partnership with Evolve where it's just a feeder program and occasionally you can send people down to wrestle. But I mean, it's a step in a direction maybe, and I'm hoping we have more news on that in the coming weeks too. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Although I don't want WWE just to make their bubble of companies they'll play nice with and not play nice with the companies that want to play nice, you know what I mean? Right. Because I feel like that's the way it's going to go. They're just going to... Then again, they can't, you know, just just business-wise, they can't work with everybody. You know, Sure it's you not can. A, well, it's not a positive for them. Why? You you buy talent that's worked everywhere. Work with everyone. Why not? Because if you're not making money off them, it's hurting your business, not helping. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, that's why. That's why. They (laughs) they need to be worried about bringing money in. That's that's really their only job. Yeah. You know, I hate to say this. All of these companies, their job isn't even to entertain us. It's to bring money in. It's just most of them bring their money in by entertaining us. WWE doesn't have to do that anymore. They they don't no, have to not, are, not at bring all. money in. No. And their job is to bring money in, so they found other ways to do it. You know, as soon as these other companies find other ways other than entertaining us, you best believe they would switch in a heartbeat. So, it's uh but it's good that they I mean they've always been open to working with other people. I I think WWE gets a bad rap of not. And that's just because they didn't like uh WCW and they didn't like TNA, but you know they've had their working relationships. We all know the only reason they want to work with MLW is so they can get Jacob Fatu, right? Right. Oh yeah, because him versus, versus Roman. Roman yeah. <laughs> you know they've they've worked with uh, FCW and they've worked with uh, Cornets and they've worked with Booker T's Reality of Wrestling and they've worked with all of the 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 European ones of course they they worked with ECW and even promoted ECW's first pay-per-view on Raw and I think they've always worked with other promotions because but they know not that, in the not in the way that you would want I think uh probably the I way feel like ECW want. is about the closest you know what I mean uh FCW they kind of made FCW Smoky Mountain they definitely helped with Smoky Mountain Vince McMahon came down to Smoky Mountain and played heel Vince McMahon before heel Vince McMahon existed in WWE. Hmm. You know, he was uh, he was out there shitting on uh, old Jerry Lawler and, and them guys and, and playing up the heel. It, it's, it was kind of interesting. I think they've always, they know that they're not good without competition and they know that they're always going to be the big dogs. So it's nice to help the little dogs because they're going to help you out. I guess mm-hmm. is what I think, but, but no, it'll be good as just, just as long as WWE keeps their politics out of MLW, it could be a positive, but it's a, it's a thin line. It's a thin line between helping and 
harming. I think. Yeah, just WWE. just wanting to take talent from them, basically. Exactly. That's, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, fuck, that was a good show. Great, great show. Really good time. Um, fucking love. Spread it like cancer. Nobody died of cancer this week. I don't have to feel bad for saying that. Well, not nobody. God damn it. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, later, folks. <laughs>